Alright, welcome back to the midweeks. This is when things change for David. Uh, the last time Ahithophel helped Absalom kind of get to the high point of his reign, his reign is not going to last long at all, but now things are going to start changing for Absalom a little bit. And so we're in chapter 17 of 2 Samuel, and this chapter I think is fitly called Hushai to the Rescue. Verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king, and I will bring back all the people to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Okay, ending there. Ahithophel is right. The last time we met David, he had just been, you know, having rocks tossed at him. He's at the Jordan. He's refreshing himself. He's in an incredibly vulnerable position. Um, they're not ready for battle. They're not arrayed. They don't have a home base. They're just um, kind of resting after getting a certain distance away from Jerusalem. And Ahithophel wants to seize the moment. He wants to use the aspect of surprise. He wants to grab a small fighting force. These would be the elites of the Israelites. And he wants to go after David and take him out. And very likely, if he did do this, if he had gotten Absalom's permission to do this, he would have been successful. And this is where I think it comes out a little bit that Ahithophel wants revenge on David for what he did to Bathsheba and to his family because Ahithophel isn't saying you go do this he's saying I'll go do this so he's setting himself up as the one who gets to go and kill the king and he's saying you know we won't hurt anybody else we'll just go grab the king and and take him out and everyone else will come back to you and there'll be peace in the land and of course Absalom wants peace in the land but the fact that Ahithophel is setting himself up as the one to go and do this to me points to um, this personal vendetta very likely, that Ahithophel has. I don't know for sure, but just the way it's being brought about, why isn't Ahithophel trying to get one of the soldiers to go do this? No, he wants to go do it himself, because I think he wants to see the king dead with his own two eyes and be the one to ensure that it's that it's done. Verse 5. Then Absalom said, Call Hushai, the archite, also, and let us hear what he has to say. So he wants a second opinion. Maybe because he thinks... It's, it's right in his eyes, but there's some little sus about it. Maybe he's suspicious. Sorry, I'm talking to my daughter too much. Um, so he wants a second opinion. But this is also just God working. Remember, God is sovereign. And God, David has prayed that God would frustrate the counsel of Ahithophel through Hushai. And God is going to answer David's prayer for that. So the same way God is in control of even... Absalom's sin with the concubines in public, God is also answering the king's prayers here, which is, again, as readers, a sign for us that David is siding with Absalom. If you ever wonder what God's perspective is on this, the fact that God is about to answer David's prayer is a sign that God is still with the king. Verse 6, And then Hushai came to Absalom, and Absalom said to him, Thus has Ahithophel spoken. Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel of Ahithophel is, has given is not good. And Hushai said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men, and that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is an expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. 
Behold, even now he has hid himself in one of the pits or in some other place, and as soon as some of the people followed the first attack, whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant man, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear, for all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and that those who are with him are valiant men. Okay, so Hushai's whole job there is to disagree with Ahithophel, and you might remember the narrator had just told us at the end of the last chapter that Ahithophel was like never wrong, when his wisdom was like an oracle of God, he's like a prophet speaking. And so Hushai actually needs to find a way to make Ahithophel's right and proper advice sound not that good. And he does that by, number one, undercutting Ahithophel by kind of overemphasizing David's military prowess. David isn't hiding, as far as we know right now. He is actually worn out, but he's going to make David sound like this unbeatable force. And he's going to make it sound like anything but the perfect response is going to lead to disaster. You know, uh, as soon as anybody is killed by David's men, everyone's just going to run away fleeing. And so he's making it sound like a sudden attack, which is the right move is is not good, but instead to wait and to do something else. So he's going to give his counter suggestion here. Verse 11. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba as the sand of the sea for multitude that you go into battle in person. Okay, so. Again, that little line there is sand as a sea for multitude that echoes the Abrahamic promise. So there's this appeal to numbers here, but also this weird twisting of the Abrahamic promise where the the size of Israel is going to be used against the true king of Israel. The, the promise fulfilled that Abraham would have descendants like the sand of the sea is now going to be used against the promise that there's that David is the true anointed king. So it's just kind of like... We're supposed to hear that and go, ah, man, things are messed up. Verse 12, so we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and all his men with him not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city and will drag it into the valley until not even a pebble is found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. So there we go. That last line there in verse 14. We're welcomed into heaven. We're, um, we're having God's purpose and perspective revealed here. Um, that the less good wisdom that Hushai is, is proposing in order to rescue David God allows to be believed in order to set up this trap for Absalom. And there are things that are appealing to it. There's the, again, like we talked about last time, Absalom likes the idea of strength in numbers. There's also this appeal to pride where Hushai says, well, you should be going Absalom to get this victory. Kind of hinting like, why is Ahithophel the one going after this? So um, there's the appeal to pride. There's the uh, like Absalom going. There's appeal to strength in numbers. The the appeal to being undefeatable. That there's nowhere David could hide if you just summon all the nations. But all that's really doing is allowing David more time to regroup, and uh, launch a counterattack or to defend himself. And that's the big issue. Ahithophel was right that that to strike while the iron's hot, to make use um, to pursue David in his defeat is the right way to conquer him. And Hushai is trying to make it appealing to do the wrong thing by saying there's strength in numbers instead of there's actually strength in pursuing during defeat. And the Lord decides to 
let Hushai's counsel stand because he wants Absalom defeated. Verse 15. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar their priests, Thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so have I counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, Do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So this is interesting here. Like, There's this sudden scene change where um, it goes from Absalom and the elders declaring Hushai's counsel better to Hushai talking to these priests and so I'm not even sure if Hushai is still there when Absalom's talking to his other leaders it kind of sounds like he's left and he doesn't totally know what the decision is he just said Ahithophel said this I said this but you need to go right now and get David get David moving or else they're all gonna die so it sounds like Hushai's not totally sure what Absalom's gonna do here maybe he is maybe I'll be proven wrong as I keep reading here but um, Hushai is suddenly talking to Zadok and Abiathar and telling them that David needs to know what's happening. Verse 17, Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell the king, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom, so both of them went quickly and came to the house of a man at Baharim, who had a well in his courtyard. And they went down to it. And the women took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. Then when Absalom's servants came to the woman's house, they said, Where are Ahamimaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have gone over to over the brook of water. Excuse me. And when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. So here we have the excitement of a chase. Uh, Hushai gives this message that David needs to hear about to Zadok and Abiathar. Now, Jonathan and Ahimaaz were these um, were their sons. I don't remember exactly, but David had sort of set this up. But these were people who were actually going to be the messengers. So they were going to tell a female servant who was going to go tell these guys, and these guys were going to go tell David. So we have this chase, and we have this pursuit, because somebody saw them and told Absalom. So Absalom's, Absalom's going to send messengers. And if you remember, um, Baharim, that's where David was not long ago. I'm going to see if I can find it quickly. Uh, yeah, at, in verse 5 of chapter 16, that's when where uh, David went when Shemai started to kind of throw rocks at him. So they're pursuing the route that David took out of Jerusalem. And there's a bit of a chiasm here. There's a bit of like a progression into Jerusalem and then a progression out of Jerusalem with as the story goes you got David outside of Jerusalem and things happening there then you've got uh, uh, Absalom working in Jerusalem and then you're going to have this progression out of Jerusalem back to David so there's a, a, a balance going on in this story here and so returning to these guys they're on the lamb they come to Baharim and they go into this well and it's very interesting. I'm not sure exactly how to imagine this whole like um, spreading over the wall's mouth with grain on it. Like it sounds weird. And when we think of wells, we can often think of these like rock circles up above the ground um, with the bucket turner at the very top. But I kind of wonder here if the well was actually a lot closer to the ground, maybe level with the ground. And so 
maybe when she puts this cloth over top of it and puts grain over top of it it actually looks like there isn't a well there there's just like this pile of grain that this woman is maybe grinding or something like that so maybe the well itself is hidden with the guys inside of it because of this cloth or something like that i'm not totally sure but that's kind of how i imagine it. like how else would you would you would these guys not think like let's look in the well like unless the well is ter perfectly flat with the ground and the grain is actually hiding the presence of the well altogether with the guys in it but uh, the woman sends Absalom's servants on ahead this reminds me a lot of actually Rahab the prostitutes sending <clears throat> the spies or protecting the spies and sending the people from Jericho away and so the spies are protected there. I think this is meant to echo that. Um, and that by doing that, that just reminds you that Absalom is actually like the pagan Jericho people. And this woman is protecting the righteous spies of the people of Israel, uh, putting David in the side of true Israel and Absalom on the side of the not true Israel. Verse 21, after they had gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. And they said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water, for thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people who were with him, and they crossed the Jordan. And by daybreak no, not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself, and he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Okay, so this is pretty rough, but the messengers make it to David, and they don't really tell, like, it, there's no record here of what Hushai counseled or saying that they believe Hushai. They're just saying, Ahithophel has counseled this, and you're in danger. And we don't know if they think this is going to happen, uh, or maybe they just think and know that there's a possibility that Absalom will change his mind, or maybe that Ahithophel will do it himself. Who knows? But they report to David that he's in great jeopardy so they stop resting and they cross the Jordan River so that by the time daybreak comes which is when you know a pursuing army would likely attack they had the river in between them which was good um, it's funny because even Hushai was saying you know David is this great man of war and he's hidden himself from the people and when these messengers come they actually find that David hasn't done that he hasn't been acting like a great man of war he's actually set himself very vulnerably by having his camp up against the Jordan where they couldn't flee into the water very easily that like it's very unwise to pitch your tent um, in battle by a river because you have nowhere to escape and so these guys come and say what are you doing you got to get on the other side of this river you got to have the river in between you and your enemies so that you can be protected and David does that and then Ahithophel sees that his counsel is not followed and he knows what's going to happen. Like it doesn't really say, but I think Ahithophel knows that they fail to seize on the opportunity to gain victory here and very likely sees that this failure to take out the king is probably from the Lord. And so he, he's wise enough to know that if he just hangs around, no pun intended, um, he's going to die anyway. So he goes and meets death on his own terms, which is probably a sign of pride here, the fact that he didn't pray or humble himself or seek forgiveness or even whatever he just says i know what's going to happen and he seeks the path of suicide in the light of the inevitability here so he almost has a sense of fate he's not a man of faith he's a man of fate he knows like we can't win now so i'll just go and take care of this myself verse 24 then david came to mahanaim and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. 
Now Absalom had set Amasa over the army instead of Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra the Ishmaelite, who was married to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. Okay, so um, David's gone a little bit farther than across the Jordan. Absalom has come across the Jordan with this big army. So Hushai's been listened to. Absalom's there. He's got this big army. We're finding out that the ruler over the army of Israel, Amasa, is still a family member. Um, Joab, remember, is David's uncle, and Amasa is also related to Joab, and so this is, again, a civil war that is very, very, very much in the family. Verse 27, when David came to Mahanaim, Shobi the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir the son of Emiel of Lodabar, and Barzili the Gilead of Rogalim, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels, and wheat and barley and flour, and parched grains and beans and lentils, honey and curds and sheep and cheese from the herds for David and for the people with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So this is very interesting. Um, when David comes to this place called Two Camps, which is where Jacob wrestled with the angel all those years ago this is a place where um, people wrestle with God where people meet with God and I think this is what's going on here we're meant to be reminded that the name Israel was given to Jacob when he wrestled with the angel at this exact location and so David here himself is also going to have a wrestling with the Lord and he's going to come out wounded especially with Absalom being killed he's going to come out wounded but he's going to come out with the Lord again. And you have these people come to him. Shobi, the son of Nahash, we've met him before. Nahash was the king of the Ammonites, one of um, that that David has some kind of hesed with. And remember, it was these guys, this guy's son, Nahash's son, who humiliated David's servants, which caused that war between the two. And that when the soldiers were away at that war, that's when David did the thing with Bathsheba. So now we have some other descendant of Nahash coming to support the king in his exile. And I'm not totally sure, but I think all of these guys are, are, are not pagans, but they're Gentiles. Um, I think they're Gentiles. And so we have, again, in this picture of the gospel, the Gentiles coming to minister to the king in his exile. And there's this long list of stuff, meaning we're meant to have a memorial of the faithfulness of these people to the king in his exile and they're showing chesed to him. So again, this picture of chesed and the importance of chesed coming up with David, being remembered through the, the kindness of these people meeting David in his exile. And next we're going to have a war. So again, tough stuff, but this chapter is just a good reminder of God's sovereignty over the events in life. If you looked at the, these events, you would have a hard time saying, wow, God's in control here. But as we see them unfold through the prophet, through the scriptures, we can be reminded that God is in control even in the most chaotic of events. And as we are people with faith in God, not men of the flesh, not men of fate, we can see God moving on his behalf in our lives with faith. And amen.